Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. Have you been monitoring our uh, our email situation? <laughs> I'm actually really behind on emails, but I have read most. I think all of them. Um, if I yeah, if I had missed one, I'm not sure that I would know about it. But I, think I so. love I that that is one of my favorite things about the podcast. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, because I'm so often the one learning on the podcast. When people write in and say, oh, well, you know, here's here's a clarification. Here's an additional thing that might be interesting to you guys. Uh, a lot of the times I think like, OK, that's that's a bit over my head, but uh, it's 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 cool that people are engaging. I like it. Well, and we got a couple of really excellent emails after one of our recent episodes that, you know, I confess sometimes, yeah, there are things that I'll just say offhandedly, but that I don't have stuff totally prepared for and so it ends up being less than fully satisfying and then sometimes people write in and they're like hey you should think about it this way and so this is kind of one of those cases i also got to say that when you make offhanded comments that you may not be 100 percent correct in like we just we have the best listeners if you're listening to this podcast you rock because all of the people who write in are like, no one's like, oh, you're completely wrong about this. They're usually like, well, Katie mentioned this and it's not exactly the case, but I'm sure that she was probably oversimplifying for the sake of the, you know, whatever. Uh, so that, well, that's always amusing to me. That's true. Although at the, I don't think you were on this thread. There was one time, this was a long time ago, that somebody uh, started picking a fight with an argument that I wasn't even making. I was just summarizing it <laughs> on behalf of like you know, whosoever article I had read and then I thought yeah. it was a little bit, and they started fighting with me over email and I was like, what, what, what are you doing? Anyway, <laughs> that happened one time. <laughs> other than that, the, you know, dozens, maybe hundreds of other emails we've gotten at this point yeah. have all been completely lovely. And I'm sure even that person was only motivated by the best of intentions. Of course. Anyway. Yeah. People, people almost always are. Five yes. standard deviations out, maybe. Um... We should start this episode. Yeah. So convex optimization was the one that we got a bunch of emails about. Yeah, let's do it. You are listening to Linear Digressions. So credit where credit is due on this one. A um, couple of uh, very thoughtful and frankly useful <laughs> emails from uh, Patrick S. and Cam K. So thank you. Uh, I promise before I release this, I will actually reply to your emails rather than going off and recording podcasts about you without actually <laughs> saying thank you to you directly. Um, so the, the context in which this came up was, remember the episode that we did, this was maybe a month or two ago at this point, about uh, the this optimization problem that they had at Google around optimizing resources for web crawlers so yeah, that that's right. the average freshness was optimized in some way. And if, you ha if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard that one, uh, this episode will make a lot more sense if you go back a couple of episodes. And, but also, uh, give that a listen. If, if you really don't want to. It, it's fine. Yeah. The, the point <laughs> is, it was, it was this optimization problem. So they were trying to find a solution to this problem where they had kind of limited resources that they could deploy across all these different websites that they could be scraping and so there's some mathematical formalism that you can write that describes that once you make a few assumptions about the about the underlying processes. And then one of the ways that you can solve that optimization problem 
is I made a comment about how it was a, a convex optimization problem. And so that makes it easier to solve and did a not very good explanation of what convex optimization or what a convex function in this context actually means. So that was the first thing that we should go back and revisit and talk about what that means. That sounds good. So what is a convex optimization function? Yeah. So when you're doing an optimization problem, uh, there's usually some kind of objective function that describes the overall kind of goal of the problem in some sense. And that objective function has a shape to it. It's a function. And so you could imagine drawing it on a piece of paper, maybe. And that shape, convex describes like a certain characteristic that that shape can have. And there's specific definitions that you can get to in terms of vector definitions and whatnot. But basically what a convex shape means is that it's shaped like a bowl. Mm -hmm. I'm oversimplifying here. So it's there's a bottom like a and they're kind of sides and they kind of curve up uh, and if you were, in a yeah, simplistic if, function. If yeah. you were to imagine putting a marble in the bowl, it would roll to the bottom. It's just, that's the, that's the way to put this into your head using only the power of my voice. And I can't draw this for you on a whiteboard only right now. Only the power of my voice. So <laughs> that marble is finding the minimum of yes. that function. It's finding the lowest point of that function, assuming that the... Um, what, what did you call it? The optimization function or the is objective function, objective function is trying to find the lowest point. Then that would be our marble finding the lowest point. Yep. And then conversely, if you have something that looks like a hill, you can multiply it by negative one, which just flips it over. And then you have a bowl. And so something that's kind of like a nice hill and a nice bowl, those are effectively the same shape for right. purposes of optimization and okay. everything is lovely. So th that's kind of the characteristic of a convex function. And then we were contrasting this with a non-convex function. And so yeah, the good... Yeah, I think I made some comment about like, is it concave or something? But it turns out I was wrong. A concave function that, that's kind of like the hill you described is just the same as a convex function. Yeah. Yeah. But there can be, there's a more interesting twist that can be introduced, which is that imagine imagine that your bowl is... I don't know, not very well made. And so it's got, it's got some little hills in the bottom of it. Like it's not a smooth bowl, but it's a valley and mm. the valley is not, you know, completely uniform in, in the sense that a, a marble would just roll to the bottom of it, but instead it could get stuck behind a, a bump on the ground, or there could be little, little hills or it goes down and then you have to go back up and then it goes down some more. And so what that means is that there's, there is still this idea that there's a global minimum, which is the lowest point of the valley anywhere, or the lowest point of the bowl anywhere. Okay. But there's also what we call the, the local optima or the local minima, the local maxima, the local points that are themselves at the bottoms of little bowls, but it might not be the lowest point overall. The way that one of our uh, listeners who wrote in described this. I really liked it. It was something like, while uh, while a rain droplet will uh, ideally try to flow to the ocean, some rain droplets will settle for a hill on a for a, a lake on a mountain. Yes, exactly. And so, if what you're doing is solving some kind of 
optimization problem, then these have very different characteristics in terms of the way you, that you need to think about solving them. Because in the in the convex case, there's some tricks that you can use to just always find the bottom of the bowl. We'll talk about those in just a second. But in the non-convex case, it's more complicated. There's this, you know, even if you find something that looks like looks like a bottom, uh, you still have this bigger concern that maybe there's a lower bottom somewhere that you haven't found yet because uh, you just haven't like looked for it in the right place. And so you have to worry about those kinds of outcomes. I think we had an episode a bit, uh, maybe this was like a year ago on um, optim- different types of optimization functions. And like, uh, I don't remember all of the names of them, but there was like a hill climber and is this ringing a bell? Yeah, sort of. So that's that's a really good point that a lot of those heuristic, those are some of the ones we were talking about are called heuristic optimization algorithms. Mm-hmm. And those are very often the things that you have to use for for non-convex functions because yeah, you need to be searching for the local minima, but you need to have kind of this broader search for making it more likely that if there's a global minimum, you'll find it. Can compare this with the convex case. So in the convex case, there's actually, you know, a pretty standard set of tools that we use to find the bottoms of convex functions. Uh, The one that our listeners might be familiar with if they have like machine learning backgrounds is algorithm called gradient descent. And we might have even talked about gradient descent at some point. I'm not even, I'm not sure. I think actually we, so someone can correct us, but I think that I mentioned it because I learned about it, and this was not when we were recording. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, so gradient descent is a really nice kind of deterministic mathematical process that you can use to find the bottom of the valley in those convex cases. And so what gradient descent does, just to summarize it briefly, is you have this convex optimization function, or objective function, excuse me, convex objective function, and then you take a derivative of that with respect to your variable of interest. And then that derivative gives you what's called the gradient, and that gives you kind of the slope of the curve at any given point. This is just differential calculus. And so as you are uh, optimizing, you kind of start your optimization process somewhere along that curve. You take the gradient, that tells you kind of which way is down, and you take a step in the direction that's down. Then you recalculate your derivative, you reevaluate your function, your objective function has, or your, yeah, your objective function has just moved, has just gotten smaller. You've moved in the direction of the, of the minimum. And so if you were to repeat that, if you continue to take steps downhill, eventually you will end up at the bottom of the valley, which means that you've found the optimal solution. This is both the local max or the local minimum and the global minimum because it's convex and you're done. And so gradient descent works really, really nicely in those cases. So that's when you only have one local minimum, which is also your global minimum, right? Yep. So what about if you have multiple local minimums, but only one global, is it minimum or minima? Uh, I would say minima, but it you know depends on how... Formally I don't know the Latin lingo someone the, is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the lingo the kids are using these days. <laughs> kids being mathematicians. 
Yeah. So if you have a non-convex function, then you have to you have to worry about these, you know, global minimum problems. So you would use, yeah. you might have a gradient descent, but you have a bunch of little marbles that you dump at different points, you know, along along the walls of the valley, and then you see which one like settles the lowest. Oh, interesting. It, so it's, it's kind of, of like a analog of that, yeah. Yeah. So you were just before you were just describing you drop a marble, and then you know by by taking the the derivative and figuring out which way is down and which way is uh, closer to your minima, then you eventually get to your single minima. And then the problem, if you have multiple local minima, is your marble might get stuck in a, in a little valley along the way, and it, it doesn't keep going. But what you're saying is you just drop multiple marbles, you just uh, take a bunch of arbitrary places along your graph, and then do the same calculation for all of those. And then each of these... Uh, metaphorical marbles uh ends up settling somewhere and then you figure out which one is lowest yeah i mean I'm, we're straining the metaphor a little bit but yeah, yeah you have multiple marbles or you you say they aren't marbles they're bouncy balls and they can jiggle around a little bit and so if it's in if it's not in a global minimum but there's just like a little hump that it has to get over maybe it like bounces over it what so if the yeah but these are bounces off the graph yeah this is where <laughs> yeah. the metaphor dies Right. So then we're back kind of into stuff that looks a little bit more heuristic. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to point out is part of the reason that this is, again, so important to people who work in machine learning or in statistics is that if you're doing something like running a regression that's based on, say, ordinary least squares. So an ordinary least squares regression, what you're doing in that case is you have some kind of function of all of your variables that's going to give you predictions about what the outcome, the value of the outcome of interest is as a function of all of these inputs. And so what you're trying to find is what are the regression coefficients that give you a fit that's as good as possible to uh, the data that you've seen. And so the way that you define that is you say that there's an, an objective function, which is basically the square, the sum of the squared errors, the, the errors are the the differences between the predictions that you make and the actual values that you see. So you take those differences, you square them, and you say that that defines your objective function. And what that means is that because those are definitionally quadratic, like it's defined as something that's basically a quantity squared, that gives you a, a shape of that objective function that's a really nice convex function. And so that means that then if you're trying to solve that problem with an ordinarily squares, and you're trying to solve that ordinarily squares regression problem with like a simple solver in R or Python, it can use gradient descent really easily. It just takes derivatives mm. with respect to those coefficients and it optimizes them that way. And then if you were listening to our last episode where we talked about the central limit theorem, what that tells you is it gives you certain guarantees about uh, certain distributions in your sample data and how those relate to distributions in your real data. Uh, and central limit theorem basically tells you that your data will converge upon giving you kind of the true answer for certain types of questions you can ask of it. So that means that ordinarily squares is guaranteed to get you the correct answer because of the central limit theorem. 
ordinarily squares also works really well because it has this nice convex shape to the objective function that you have to solve for. So what you have is you have a recipe for a way of getting the correct answer in a way that's very computationally nice or it's very mathematically smooth. And that means that regression just works really well for trying to learn things about the world, uh, which is nice. So if you've ever run a regression, but you never really thought about what's going on under the hood, there's actually some really deep optimization theory and uh, statistical theory that like makes all of this stuff work. I, my brain kind of just exploded. I didn't, I didn't expect you to combine it with the last episode. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So this is, you know, linear models, like ordinary least squares is a pretty, it's a pretty powerful outcome. It's a thing that we take for granted a lot because it's just so easy to do and you kind of just learn about it and then move on to stuff that seems cooler. But when Mm. you stop and think about it, there's actually some really, really deep statistics and probability theory and, you know, this optimization stuff that all adds up to that being such a such a powerful tool that we lose sight of it sometimes. Do you find that a lot of people will use this tool without actually understanding how it works? Oh, linear models and ordinarily squares? Yeah. Sure, yeah. I think it's really easy to do. I'm sure that there's been times that I've I mean, I think if you're if you're very experienced, you kind of learn this stuff early on hopefully. Mm. And then you get used to it and then you, you, as one of my physics professors would have said, you develop a healthy contempt for it and it becomes, (laughs) you know, it's something that you, you don't think about literally every time you run a linear model, but Uh, because they're so easy to run because of Python and R and stuff anymore, you know, it, it wouldn't be that hard to have a, a pretty long career as a data scientist where you never really, really had to think about this stuff. Um, but it's really rewarding once you stop and think about it. It helps you, you know, appreciate a lot more how deep some of this theory is and makes it, I guess, so you you don't take it for granted anymore. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely find that even the simpler things in computer science or programming, knowing how they work under the hood really gives you a better understanding of of what's going on and helps you think more critically about the way that you use these things and maybe even be more creative in the way that you use them. Yeah. So if you're a data scientist or a machine learning person who's just hearing about this for the first time, because you just never, you know, quite digested that chapter in your stats book, like go back and read it again. It's pretty, it's pretty cool and powerful stuff. There's a lot of deep connections between these ideas. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.